Hey guys, welcome in to College Sportscast. I'm Brad, and we are presented by the Fanboys, associated with Let's Talk Sports, Sideline Sports, and we are on WSBN TV Channel 30. Check out our new Season 2 intro. Hey guys, welcome back. Brad with College Sportscast. Welcome to College Sportscast. Looks like I have John Roberts that's just joining me. So I'll get him pulled up here. Welcome, welcome, John. What's up? What's happening? May have so, a small time, but I'll be here for a little bit. Okay. Uh, he didn't know for sure if he was going to make it or not, so I sent him a link just in case. So... Uh, he may not be on here for the full show, but welcome to Correct. College Sportscast. And we have John on with us for a little while this evening, so we'll kind of get started with that. Um, you've been working today, John? Yes. A lot. Yes. That's what I figured. <laughs> so you didn't have a chance to, like, see any of the stuff or whatever is what I'm saying, what I was kind of getting No, at. I mean, whatever I heard in the car – was probably it all I got today, and I got uh, maybe a small snippet of Lane Kiffin. That was about it. Yeah, so um, it started today this morning with Lane Kiffin and Ole Miss, and I'm going to be honest with you. Lane Kiffin still stole the show, and I told I told John uh, Hammond yesterday that it was probably going to be that way. Anytime you get Lane Kiffin in a press conference, I mean – you, you you get some stuff every time. Did he not look like like beach bomb today? He did. he did. He did. That just he's been hanging out at the beach. Oh my this god, month it's so dark, but he yeah. had the highlights and everything, and his hair was all disheveled. It almost looked like he just woke up. I know <laughs> his hair is all and everything. Like, yeah, yeah. But I'm gonna tell you right now, just. The way he talks and the stuff, I mean, he steals the show. So, uh, you know, the day started out with him, of course. He did bring his star running back, uh, Judkins, and a defensive end, Johnson, and a cornerback, Prince, that was there um, with him today. Um, you know, like I said, anytime Lane Kiffin takes the mic, at a press conference or anywhere, to be honest with you. It could be after the game. You know, it could be anything. Um, you're, there's no telling what you're going to hear. And today, Kiffin went crazy on NIL and Transfer Portal and all that. So Look, look, I, I want to answer that. Show. I want to answer that question. But, you know, I think I've grown up and – 
really want to, but they tell me I should probably just kind of let some questions go. <laughs> the show with some quotes from Kiffin today. Okay. So the first one is this. He says that there are unintended consequences with NIL and it's a pay for play system where players follow the money and the teams with the deepest pockets get the best talent. That was his quote today. All right. Lane Kiffin, will you please uh, rank the boosters in the SEC? (laughs) Then his next quote is this. He's talking about the transfer portal. He says, we now, free agency now exists, except that unlike professional sports, every college player can enter into free agency twice a year with the spring and winter transfer transfer windows. And then he went on to to talk about grad transfers who could be in the, he said, you could be in the the spring workouts and just decide that you don't want to be here. And that since you've graduated, you can leave. And that was his, that was something when he talked about the grad transfer going into the portal. Saying we, they just, they could, Uh, they could go through, they could go through spring workouts and decide right in the middle of it, that they don't want to be there anymore and that that they can leave and they can go at any moment. Anytime they want to. And he went on with the transfer portal and he said, we've now got professional sports, except there's no salary cap or luxury tax. And the result is a myriad of issues for the coaches. That is Lane Kiffin's quotes today on the NIL and the transfer portal. He said, I'm not complaining about it because we have taken advantage of free agency. He did say that. Um, But, you know, and there was a whole other list. There was a bunch of other stuff that he went into with this. Like you said, he went into the grad transfer stuff. But, you know, there was other things that he went into as well. And I'm not going to sit here and go through everything that he went through and that he talked about. But I thought those two or three quotes was, I mean, just about as open and honest and relevant to the game from a coach that you mm-hmm. could possibly get. Um, yeah, so, you know, so when he went into, yeah, when he went into some of that stuff, he was talking about like the uh, when it, when he talked about the the transfer portal and free agency and how the it's not the NFL model because he said, hey, you know, the NFL model at least has a start and end point, and that you can you you can kind of regulate it he said but this one is just it's kind of open open season and yeah, there's two different, went two different on and, said, and yeah yeah he actually went on talking about the nfl he actually went on and said in part of it he said imagine an nfl where tom brady can basically be a free agent and go to the highest bidder every single year 
yep. because that's what we have in college football. Yeah, and then and then he mentioned a few other names when he was, you know, especially when Tom he was talking, Brady was one of them. When he was talking with, uh, you know, he was he was kind of mentioning some things about Stark uh, or sorry Sark because of the the fact that Texas is coming in and that he and Sark have had a, you know, pretty close career path, seeing that they've crossed paths several different times, whether being the fact that Sark followed him at at uh, Alabama, Sark followed him at USC multiple times. Uh, whether as uh, offensive coordinator or as head coach. Um, so Sark's coming into the SEC and, you know, they were talking, I think he's, he was either talking with Sark or anything like that, but it was, you know, why would you want to go to the NFL? Because, you know, this is the NFL. This is, you know, the best, you know, players. And he's talking about, he was comparing both being as a coach, but also, the fact that the players are getting paid um, that, you know, most people came to college and, and went and played at some of the best schools because they got their chances to get into the NFL to make money. Like their, their whole point was they're going to come in here for three years and then they're going to make money. Now they're making money in school. So this was kind of the idea. He was also talking about, and he was also talking about when they, when they started talking about, well, how do you handle the locker room? And he said, well, I mean, it's the same way you handle it with an NFL. Like, you know, one guy's got a contract and, you know, I mean, somebody that they pull in, they go get another guy out of free agency who then signs for more money. And you've got to be able to handle both of the, the personalities in the in the locker room. And he said, it's, it's the same thing as the NFL. He just says you just have yeah. to teach it earlier to the kids that don't understand and Kiffin has been what it in, is. in the NFL, so he, you know right. he has some experience there. Yeah. yeah, and I mean, I often said that once they started doing this, that you know people were asking, well, well, what would like a lineman do when a quarterback's got millions of dollars and you know deals? And I was like, well, what does a lineman do in the NFL when a quarterback has millions of dollars in a contract? I mean, you get a you get a Jets right. offensive lineman, and then you get Aaron Rodgers. Okay, so what's the difference? Yeah, you know. Well, there's there's to- not a difference when it comes to that kind of stuff. Yeah, right. not really. You know, um, you know. But I really, honestly, I've never truly been a Lane Kiffin fan. Okay, I'm not right. going to sit here and act like that I have. But the last year or so with some of his speak on these topics. Yeah. I'm really impressed. Yeah. I'm really impressed with the way Lane Kiffin is bold and stepping up and saying stuff that is true, but most coaches are not going to, you know, step right. up and do that kind of stuff. And and Lane and Lane absolutely nailed it today in my opinion um you know there are some major issues um you know the the free agency being able to do it you know in the middle of spring training in you know in the middle of uh, fall training if they want to um you know like he was talking about with grad transfers with two open windows so you can go in the and, and, and sign up for in the spring. And if you don't like your situation, you can transfer out. You know, I mean, there's 
there's just a lot of issues that's going on in college football. And it was good to see a coach with the stature of Lane Kiffin step up and say something right. about it. I yeah. thought. Yep. <clears throat> so that's how it all started today with uh, yep. um, the SEC media days. He did lay a pretty good joke on Paul Farnbaum as well. Um, <clears throat> so, you know, they were, they were basically, he, he said, you know, basically Paul Feinbaum and everybody, you know, like is basically stating that, you know, the end of Saban is near and, you know, that they're uh, going to falter and, and they're not quite as good as what they used to be and stuff. And, and he went on and he said, yeah, thanks Fa Paul Feinbaum for giving him the edge that he needs, you know, you know, so uh, he had a little joke, you know, with Paul Feinbaum, which yeah. I thought was a little funny as well. And, uh, you know, call, calling out Paul Feinbaum and a few other people, you know, that are given, given Saban the, the tools he needs to, like, re-energize. Re you know what I mean? Right. Yeah. And, I mean, this is going to be and, – and, and, and honestly – this is the kind of year that Saban wants when nobody is talking about them. They're all talking about how they're not really going to be all that great. They're getting back more to the old Saban era where it's going to be ground and pound uh, with a with a uh, game game manager quarterback is really what they're they're looking for. Um, because I mean, yeah. they're going to get that, up that, until that, you know the last six years or so. Well, what that's what yeah, they but they're did. going, but they are reverting back to yeah. the stuff right. before that. So, um, yeah, and so now, I mean, they're going to look like what Georgia, the Greg McElroy days, and, and even yeah. even the, I mean, even the McCarran days were were like that too. I mean, he was the more of a dynamic passer than McElroy, but still he, you know, he was, you know, yeah. quote unquote game manager. And so was, you know, Coker. Coker was the same way. I mean, when you had, but you had, you know, guys like Scarborough and, and you had, uh, uh, why am I going blank on some of these guys, you know, Anthony, or sorry, uh, Trent Richardson, and you had, um, you know, all these different running backs that went through um, Bama that you could oh, yeah, just – the running the backs. Workforce, were, yeah, the, the workhorse. Sean Alexander. I mean, uh, they, just, that's, that's a little know, before you, this this time here. You know, you're going back to, like, 1999, 19, you know, 98, 2000 with Sean Alexander. This is – I'm talking more like yeah. – 2009, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16. Yeah, those years. Yeah. yeah. Um, so that's right. that's really what you, what what they're they're kind of reverting back to that, um, and uh, they'll have a stable of running backs. They'll have well, you know. Kiffin just didn't want him to wake up the sleeping giant. Correct. That is <laughs> that is correct. Um, which there's a lot of people that are seem to that's be poking poking at that poking at them, and I think this yeah. is this is right. one of those years Saban could could you know pull off the best you know coaching you know, year of his, you know, career. And I mean, so far I would say 2020 is that one right now because of the fact that you went yeah. up, he went, he went 10 and 0 against 10 SEC teams. You know, I think that's, 
I mean, yeah. even though they were in front of no no fans, it was ten and zero against ten SEC teams, which is quite possibly yeah. one of the best years you could have. So you know, I mean, yeah, absolutely, uh, I agree with that. Yeah, yeah, so. I agree with that. So talk to talk a little bit about Mississippi this year. They have three really good quality quarterbacks somehow or another. Um, Kiffin convinced two have been starters um, to transfer to Ole Miss when they already had Jackson Dart, who transferred last year. Right. Um, um, and so now they have Spencer Sanders, yep. who is the second winningest starter in the Cowboys' history. Right. Has over 9,500 yards of throwing and 67 touchdowns in his career. And he has one year left of eligibility and he transfers to Ole Miss when Kiffin has Jackson Dart. And then on top of that, Walker Howard transfers from LSU, who has had some starts at LSU. Right. Not a ton, but has had some starts right. at LSU. And, and he transfers in there as well. So he has three really good quality uh, quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. And I think he has possibly the best back in the nation. Yes. Sean uh, Judkins, a true freshman last year. And by the way, I want to throw this out. Rushed for over a thousand yards as a man, and he was the first back to do it since Emmett Smith in 1987. Yep, that's checks out. That checks out. Auburn's had backs that were close, but never. Quite clips the a thousand yards as true freshman. He's pressure. the true freshman back. And, and to Alabama rush for over a thousand yards in the SEC. Alabama doesn't doesn't usually have any backs that 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 runs over a thousand as freshmen because they usually don't get on the field until they're sophomores, juniors, or seniors. So, at least not enough to be like the workhorse. They're not the workhorse guy. So, and I want to. And Auburn, I want to go I think, beyond that. Actually rushed for over fifteen hundred yards last year as a true freshman, and no yep, freshman yep. has done it since '87. You know, as a true freshman, right? Yeah. So, so you know, I think that he has a good chance. I know that Blake, um, what's his last name? It's up at. Michigan is back. Yeah. The running um, back. Yeah, I know who you're talking hurt about. hurt and missed. Blake Corum. Yes, Corum. I think his name is Blake Corum. Yeah. Back. Uh, but I think Judkins can give, give him a run for his money to be the best back in the country. I really do. Yeah. Um, so yeah. look for Ole Miss's offense to be pretty spectacular um I, you know offense it's going to come down defense more than more than likely right 
Right. So, yeah. but uh, they also, you know, and then the, the, uh, and also the philosophy of going, you know, as far as, you know, going by the numbers and everything like that, almost uh, trying to figure out whether or not to go for it on fourth down, what, what the, what the, what the book says, as far as going for it on fourth down, you know, you have to see what kind of offense lane will, will, will do and, and how well yeah. he'll, he'll stick to the book. So. Right. This is true. <clears throat> yeah. He, he is a little eccentric. He likes to do things his own way. Right. <clears throat> but, um, I mean, look, they're, they, they have a talented offensive team. Um, and now it's just, again, as you said, and as everybody else has thought, is comes down to the defense and how much it's improved or if it has improved. And, you know, if he doesn't have a defense, he's not going to win a ton of games. He'll win some just by outscoring teams, but there he will not, you know, get close to winning a championship with no defense. So he'll have to have a defense in order to, to even, you know, be in the hunt for – for the SEC West title, so, but he might be able so to keep teams. He might be able to keep teams from it. You know, yeah, by by beating them. Where do you and think Mississippi falls in, in the SEC West? So, the the I mean, consensus the consensus I mean, thought is that that LSU and Alabama are going to be the top two teams in the West. All right, and then at the the next level would be, you know. Basically, um, either kind of A and M. Well, it would be it would be A and M, Ole Miss, and uh, and Arkansas are kind of the next three. Okay, they're the middle three. Okay, yeah. and then the bottom two would be Mississippi State and all is what is what the kind of the the ranking. So you'll have the top two being Alabama and LSU, the middle three being A and M, Arkansas, and Ole Miss, and again. The order of this is up in the air, but those would be the middle three, and then the bottom two would be Mississippi State and Auburn. That's how everybody views this. That's so. that's the way most people are viewing it, you know, that mm -hmm. I've seen so far. Um, mm -hmm. I think I think Mississippi State is a smidge better than what they're getting credit for. If, um, honestly, they, they it have comes good, down to if they're they going have a to good defense back. Right, and but, I mean, they like, have kind of depends on how their offense will work. Probably their best quarterback that they've ever had, and that includes Dak. I know, but again, it it, it also kind of hinges on the offense as well, which I don't yeah, think I don't know if it's going to be an air raid. So, um, it, it you're you may have to rely on some running backs, which you may or may not have. You may rely on being able to run the ball. Which you may or may not be able to do. Well, they probably don't have too many running backs because the air raid didn't, you know, what not I'm talking about. Great ones, you know. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. And then that's you know, what I said. Yeah. I tend I tend to think that Mississippi State is just a smidge better than what the expectations are. Okay. So could Mississippi State crash that fourth or fifth? You know, range in in the SEC West possibly, but mm. I think there's a small chance of it. Right. You know, I, you know, I think there's a small chance of it. Probably, I don't think they will. Get, they would go any higher than that. Yeah. 
But Ole Miss could possibly nab the third spot in the SEC they could. West if they put. They could. Right. Yeah, they could. They could. I just I don't. I mean, I don't put a whole lot of. I mean, I honestly don't know yeah. if if it, like any of those three teams that I named in the middle three, you know. Any one of them could be number three, but every one of them could also be five in the West. I mean, every one of them could be – they could be up, they could be three, right. they could be five, or they could be seven. Not really seven, was, but more like six. You know, they could be six. I was trying to look at the schedule. They they put Tulane the second game of the year. At New Orleans. It's in New Orleans, that game. So, and then they uh, they could be a team that's like a five and seven. They could also be a eight and four team. Uh, I don't know if they're going to be a nine or a ten win team. I think they're kind of yeah. in that five and seven to eight and four range, right? And then. Um, but I mean, they still have to play Bama, LSU. You know, you they still got to play Auburn, which you don't know what Auburn you're going to get. You have no idea. I mean, you think that Ole Miss should beat Auburn, but I don't know. They could. You know, Auburn could come up and beat them. Mississippi, you know, Mississippi State could show up for one game and and beat uh, and beat uh beat Ole Miss. Not that I expect them to, but they could. Yeah. But, uh, like I said, I mean, every team could beat Ole Miss, and Ole Miss could, you know, snake bit any team that's out there. But I just don't think they could put it up for an entire season. So, I think they could beat somebody they're not supposed to, and then they could also lose to somebody they're not supposed to. I agree with that. And I think that, that that's kind of the same thing for almost everybody in the West. I mean, it really is a, a toss it up in the air because you could – I could see LSU even losing a game they're not supposed to lose. Now, there's not too many teams that they could, win, that they could beat that they're not supposed to beat. I mean, because they're supposed to beat just about everybody. So – but they could lose a game that they're not supposed to, you know. Uh, Alabama could lose a game they're not supposed to. Um, I mean, Absolutely. who knows what Texas A&M is going to is going to do? Uh, and then the other game, the other teams are more like they could win a game they're not supposed to, you know. So as opposed to losing a game they're not supposed to, you know. So I think that that's a I think that's a uh, just kind of the just the way it is. Yeah, I mean, all of that can happen for sure. <clears throat> yep. So, but yeah. But what we got next? Who? Who's next?
Got it. <laughs> there we go. Cool. Yeah. Uh, so South All Carolina. All right. So I'm going to show on to South Carolina. I'm having a little bit of issue right now, it looks like. So. I, South Carolina just depends on if they actually take the next step. Is it? You know, right? They could take the next step. Cool. Really? Um, you know, Shane Beamer has a pretty out there personality as well. Kind of like not quite as much as Lane Kiffin, but pretty close. Um, and, you know, he takes the podium today. He did bring his quarterback, Spencer Rattler. And uh, all right. All right. So you got it out? Yeah, I got a hit. I got to move. Yep. All right, man. All right. All right. Have a good night. All right. See you. All right. So it looks like we're going to lose John. And I'll try to keep this going a little bit here. And uh, I'm going to go on into South Carolina. And South Carolina finished the year really strong, um, pounding Tennessee, putting up 63 points, and then and then uh, beating Clemson in you know at the last moment basically, and beating them coming back, um, beating them by one, um, and finishing up the season really really strong. They also beat Kentucky and first time ever beating Texas A&M last year. <coughs> They went eight and five and, uh, you know, like I said, finished the season strong. Shane Beamer has a, has a, has one of those could rub you the wrong way. Personalities really out there. Um, boasters, you know, he boasts, you know, and, and stuff and being boastful. Um, so he takes the podium today and the biggest thing that you can take from South Carolina this year is kind of what John said before he left the show is, is, you know, South Carolina is hoping to continue that late season success from last year and to, you know, take it into this year and turn it into a, a heck of a season is what they're hoping to do. Um, whether or not they can do that is, you know, uh, a, a pretty a pretty good debate. Spencer Rattler was there today at SEC Media Days. And, you know, Spencer, of course, is saying all the right things and talking about how his struggles that he has had in his career is what is making him be even better now. And Spencer was... 
you know, talking and saying all the right things. The deal is this, which Spencer Rattler are we going to see at South Carolina? Are we going to see the one that started the first seven or eight games last year and basically looked terrible? I mean, I'm not even going to like put it out there any other way. Um, I'm, he had he had way more interceptions than he had touchdowns, um, and just looked pretty terrible for seven or eight games last year. Um, and then put it all together at the very end. They he did lose the the OC. They bring in a guy that's been controversial, um, Dow, and they brought him in. And we'll see exactly controversial with the fan base, their own fan base. Um, but he has been an OC or a quarterback coach for Jay Cutler. Connor Shaw, and some pretty good quarterbacks. Jay Cutler gave the guy uh, a, 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 you know, a good recommendation, basically, and said he's the best. I had my best season at Chicago under him when he was my quarterback coach. So we'll see what happens um, with South Carolina here. You know, they uh, – the, you know, they, they, they play – tough schedule um all the sec teams do and i think early on you know week two three four we'll we'll find out exactly what kind of um how how south carolina is going to look and what kind of season spencer rattler is going to have i mean not to say that he can't come on at the end like he did last year and, you know, after six games or whatever and come on and play like a world beater because he can. He did it last year and he showed that he can. So, um, you know, that's that's where South Carolina is at. I don't believe while they do have some players and stars on the defensive side of the ball and – they put it together last year and and done and done pretty good on the defensive side of the ball, um, so you know I, I expect to see some more improvement in that area uh, for South Carolina on the defensive side of the ball as well. But we will uh, you know we'll find out when it comes to South Carolina. I think. Most of the eggs are in the Spencer Rattler basket, if you want my opinion. When it comes to them, um, you know, they are in that fringe top 25 range. I have seen them in some polls be top 25 and some not. Um I also have seen them as high as second or third in the SEC West, and I've seen them as low as fourth or fifth or in the SEC East. Sorry, I said West. But I've also seen them as low as fourth or fifth in the SEC East as well. So they're a team that is kind of imbalanced um, with people's predictions, and I tend to – believe 
that uh, South Carolina is going to lean a little bit more towards their first eight or nine games last year, uh, which wasn't terrible. They were still, you know, you know, they were still like five and four or something in the first nine games. Um, but they wasn't beating the likes of Tennessee, who was number one at the time, eight and oh, and and Clemson. Um, so you know, um, they wasn't beating the likes of those types teams last year. Um, and we'll see exactly how that plays out and and what happens with with South Carolina this year. And I think a whole lot of it is going to stem from the offensive coordinator that they brought in and Spencer Rattler and how that offense looks, how it plays, how quick they play because they played lightning quick last year. They put up 63 points against Tennessee um, and beat them like 63 to 39. I'm pretty sure it was the score in that game last year. And we will see how that plays out because, you know, I think that's what Spencer Rattler, that's, that's his MO. That's what he likes to do. I think he likes to play fast. Um, and he can do a good job at that if that's how the offense is designed and that's how the offense is going to be set up. I think it bodes well for Spencer Rattler, which will bode well for South Carolina if that's the way it's set up. You know, they play they play North Carolina the first game of the year. North Carolina has got a great quarterback um, as well. And you know, it is at South Carolina. Then they turn around and they play Furman. Furman is a top five or top ten FCS team. Um, and, you know, they're, they're not going to be a cakewalk, I don't believe. Uh, they, uh, they, they have quality players. Furman's going to be a, a quality team for FCS. And we'll see how that goes. And, of course, their third game of the year is against Georgia. So we'll find out pretty quickly, and it's at Georgia as well. Um, I tend to think that South Carolina being that fourth range in the SEC East, um, but we'll see what happens. And then from there, Tennessee takes the stage, and Josh Heupel takes the stage and to finish up and to end – SEC Media Days. He was. They are the 14th and last team um, today to take the stage at SEC Media Days in Nashville, Tennessee. By the way, and uh, Tennessee coming off an 11 and two year last year, and you know, outside of that slip up with South Carolina. Tennessee is probably in the college football playoff last year. If it wasn't for that loss, if they would have taken care of business that day, 
their only loss would have been um, I don't think would have been enough to keep them out, which was a loss to Georgia um, would have been enough to keep them out of the uh, college football playoff last year. And I said something wrong earlier. I think the Georgia game was before <clears throat> the South Carolina game last year. I'm pretty sure. So anyway, Tennessee would have had one loss against South Carolina, and that would have been the second. <clears throat> um, but so um, I just wanted to clarify when I was started bringing this up, it, it, it reminded me that uh, I said something wrong a while ago. But Josh Heupel takes the stage, and unfortunately for Josh, there was a lot of questions and a lot of buzz um, in the room today about the sanctions um, that was put on Tennessee this week, um, early this week, um, I, maybe over the weekend. Maybe it was Saturday, maybe it was Sunday, but it was within the last week um, these sanctions were released. Now, I want to get into these sanctions just a little bit. There is a lot of talk between football fans that Tennessee got off easy. These sanctions violations happened two and a half plus years ago under a different coaching regime, different players. And I think the NCAA is getting away from punishing current players and current teams as much as possible. They are losing some, they, they are still having some scholarship reductions um, with this. They are on five years probation. So we'll see if that actually means something down the road, if something was to happen again. And they did avoid a postseason ban, which Tennessee was adamantly trying to do. So they were trying their best to avoid the postseason ban, and they did. However, what I want to get to is this. There was a heavy opponent to these sanctions, and that heavy opponent was these sanctions – were, were heavy towards the actual coaches and staff that committed these violations. And there were 18 that were the top of the line uh, uh, violations. And there was a lot. And so the coaches themselves took a heavy hit. Jeremy Pruitt, who was the head coach at Tennessee when all this happened, got a six-year show cause. Six years. One of the um, directors of player or something, one of them got a 10-year show cause on this. 
There was three assistant coaches. Two of them got five years. One of them got a two-year show cause. There were staff members who got five years, two years. And then there was a player of direct, a director of personnel or player or something. I can't remember now what exactly what the title was, but he got a 10-year show cause. There was beyond Jeremy Pruitt, I believe there were seven coaches and staff members who got show causes. Um, and these show causes keep you from being able to recruit, to coach. The teams that might hire you get penalties. So the um, on Jeremy Pruitt's, if anybody hires him, he automatically gets a one-year ban. Automatically. Then they have to reinstate and apply for Jeremy to be able to do anything after that. And the likelihood that he is going to be able to do any coaching whatsoever for the next six years is slim to none. And um, I want to put that out there. There was a heavy opponent to these sanctions and it was actually on the people who committed the violations and not put on the school or the players that had nothing to do with it. I, I you know, there's a part of me that's okay with that. And I'm a Kentucky fan. There's a part of me that says, you know, maybe <clears throat> there should have been at least one more heavier component for the team. You know, I'm not exactly sure what that would be, but, uh, you know, maybe, you know, a, a little bit heavier penalty for um, scholarship reductions and visits and, you know, things of that nature. But, um, I just wanted to put it out there, uh, This these Tennessee sanctions. I'm, I'm hearing a lot of people talk about how it just was a slap on the wrist and it wasn't enough and, and everything else. And if you're looking at the team aspect of it, they did get off kind of easy um, for having major violations. There were 18 of them. Um, but the staff who committed these violations definitely got a heavy hand. So there is that part, and I wanted to make sure that I bring that up because I think it's it's relevant to the story. Sorry, I'm looking something up real quick. All right. Let's get to today and today's team. So Tennessee players were not bashful about saying they are coming after Georgia. They had a great season last year. They went 11 and two. And 
they were not bashful about saying they were coming after Georgia. Joe Milton, the presumed quarterback that's going to be starting, um, taking over um, as the starter this year, was one of the players that were pretty bold when it comes to this. And uh, I just wanted to mention that. My take on Tennessee is this. I think they lost a lot offensively, losing Hendon Hooker. I know that Joe Milton has an absolute cannon of an arm. I know that he does. And I want to make sure that everybody knows that I know that he has a cannon of an arm. I don't know that that relates quite so well on the football field with some touch throws and stuff that you have to do. And I tend to think that early in the season that we might see Milton struggle just a little bit. And if he does, there is a five-star freshman that is waiting for his turn. Will he get a shot this year? You know, will Milton struggle enough early in the season with some touch throws and some, you know, 10 yards outs and, and curls and, and, and things that, you know, is not just dropping back and throwing a bomb, you know? So I think that with that and replacing the receivers that this team lost all in the NFL, um, three of them, is a lot. You know, Hyatt was was spectacular last year. I just don't see that you're going to have a guy that's going to have a year like like Hyatt did last year. Um, maybe they do. Maybe they have somebody setting setting that was setting last year that's that good. I, maybe they do, and maybe I'll be wrong. But I, I tend to think that. The two teams that I've talked about tonight, South Carolina and Tennessee, the way t- South Carolina ended in Tennessee's full season last year, I tend to think that you're going to see a game or two slide back. That's my take on it. Now, will that be enough to knock them out of the second and third spot in the SEC East? I don't know. Um Kentucky has a tough schedule, and in my opinion, Kentucky is the only other team that would be in that second, third, and fourth spot. I think those three teams are going to be in that second, third, and fourth spot. But Kentucky plays Tennessee at home, Georgia at home, play, or Tennessee at home, Georgia on the road, Alabama at home. Um, they have Mississippi State and South Carolina on the road. And, you know, with all of these teams, Kentucky has a pretty tough schedule, and I think an eight and four season with them would be a a great season. And I'm not so sure that an eight and four season will be enough to get them second place in the SEC East. So Tennessee might have that second place in the SEC East but I don't think it will be 11 and two like they were last year. 
I think if Tennessee goes ten and three this year, or nine and three in the regular season, I think that'll be a great year, and I think that possibly could be second place in the SEC East. That's what I think. So. Looking at Tennessee's football schedule, I will kind of get to. So their first game of the year, they play Virginia. At Tennessee, then they play Austin P, and then they play at Florida. Um, so, you know, we're going to find out Virginia is not the Virginia of old. I really don't expect Virginia to come into Nayland State Stadium and to give them a huge challenge, but it is the first game of the year, so we'll see how that goes. Um, and Florida is in my opinion, a little bit undermanned compared to what they always have been. And always, I mean, since the late eighties. Um, and, you know, I don't think Florida's quite there yet, but Florida Tennessee is a huge rival rivalry. And you just never know how that game is going to turn out. Plus it's at the swamp. So, you have to give Florida a little bit of an edge because it's at the swamp. So, you know, now, does that mean I'm saying that Tennessee won't win that game? No, I'm just saying I think it'll be a tougher game than than what most people are going to predict. And Tennessee might win, you know, 37-27 or something like that. I think it'll be a little tougher game than what they than what they think the game will be when it comes when it comes to the uh, the Florida game. That's that's my on it. That's their first three games of the year, and uh, that's how the, their season starts. and And we'll see exactly how they go from there because you know I see three wins when it comes to the first three games of the year. I don't see that they um, are going to lose a game like that. Then the fourth game of the year is actually a very interesting game. Uh, UTSA comes to Nayland Stadium, and they've got, a, they've got a team and can score points. And that's going to be a very interesting game. Um, And then they play at home against South Carolina. One, two, three, four, five. Five of their first six games are at home. They play home Virginia, home Austin P. at Florida, home UTSA, home South Carolina, and home Texas A&M. Five of their first six games are at home. Then they play at Alabama, at Kentucky. They play UConn, who is going to be a lot better of a, 
of a program than people give them credit for. Jim Moore Jr. is up there and is really turning that program around. Um, at Missouri, Georgia, and Vandy at home. So they have they have eight home games this year. I still say I think nine and three is going to be a good season for them. I don't think that's what Tennessee fans want to want and want to hear. But <clears throat> and I I'm gonna dig into their schedule and look at other teams <clears throat> as well a little bit later on. But uh that's where I'm at right now with them. And we'll see exactly how it goes. One of the last things I want to bring up tonight is as far as any of this, I opened the show talking about Lane Kiffin and his um, NIL and transfer portal, the way he was talking today. So I wanted to kind of, the last topic that I want to bring up is NIL legislation. There was actually a bill um, by some senators that was on the floor today, this morning, early, that uh, they're hoping that we'll get a little bit of traction. This bill is actually very, very, um, has a lot of different parts to this, to this bill, um, including healthcare for the players. Like there is a lot of moving parts on this bill, um, but I think it's worth mentioning. And if you are interested in any of this kind of stuff, you can go to ESPN app, ESPN.com. There is a story on this on ESPN right now. And it goes into some depth and some detail on this legislation bill. There's actually three different bills right now that are being introduced. This one seems to have the most traction and don't know if it'll get actually on the floor and get voted on or not, uh, but it was introduced today on the floor early this morning before Lane Kiffin took the, state, the stage at uh, SEC Media Days. But Kiffin probably didn't know that. So um, it is a bipartisan deal. It's both sides of the party, the three people that are working, that have put this together. It is a bipartisan deal and everything, which is exactly what is needed. Um, and there are a lot of moving parts to this bill. And I just wanted to bring it up tonight before I got off the, the air, because I'm taking another little break. We won't be back until August the 5th or August the 1st, I'm sorry. I don't, I can't, I can't talk right apparently, but August the 1st is going to be our next show. Um, it's July, we're taking a little bit of time off. And I, I done this summer series week with Global Jam on Sunday night. And we did Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday night here um, covering SEC media days. 
And now our next thing that we have coming up each Tuesday night in August, beginning August 1st, we're going to be doing our Power 5 previews and prediction shows. So each Tuesday, we're going to be doing a different Power 5 conference. August 1st is going to be the Pac-12. August 8th is going to be the Big Ten. August 15th is going to be the ACC. August 22nd is the Big 12. And August 29th is going to be the SEC. And we will cover and break down each team and give some analysis. We will break down their schedule and we will give a 12-game regular season prediction for each team. And I probably will uh, do a um, breakdown of what position everybody will, will land at in, in the conference, whether it be East and West for the SEC or Big 12 or Pac-12 and, and do an order of finish um, in each conference as well with that. Um, but that is going to be pretty exciting. We've got some new stuff coming up. I've got some new shows. Got one called the Big Fuss Show. That's our hot topic and segment show. We are hoping to be able to bring uh, a female to that show and have a little contrast with you guys and uh, on on hot topics and debates and and things like that. I think that's going to be a fun thing for us. Um, where Jen is is who we're going to be bringing on board on Tuesday nights for the Big Fuss Show, um, College Sportscast, the Big Fuss Show. And that's going to start um, late August. I think August 29th, if I'm recalling right. That will be our first Big Fuss Show. It's a renamed show. we done like news and hot topics and segments show last year. Um but we are doing kind of a revamp of that show. It's called the Big Fuss Show, and we are going to be adding a female presence to the show. So you can look forward to that. And then the last thing that I want to talk about is August 27th with the Fanboys. We are doing a kickoff extravaganza marathon with all of us, the Fanboys, and it's going to be over 15, 16 podcasts, maybe even a few more than that by the time we are done. We have added one or two since I put this up. Um, but some of the teams we're going to cover is Notre Dame, Clemson, Texas, Georgia, North Carolina State, Tennessee. Uh, we're going to have a cast. We're going to have a firm podcast. There'll be a couple of wrestling shows. Um, we're going to have one for our Greenville Sports Media. Uh, we'll, we'll have, uh, you know, we'll, we'll have quite a few different shows for you guys, and we're going to cover different teams, and a lot of teams there is listed. So I hope you guys will be excited for our August 27th, 7th, the Fanboys Season 2 Kickoff Marathon. 
It is going to be sponsored by Pepsi, guys. We're going to be give, having some giveaways. Uh, the first two, two and a half hours is going to be live on location in Greenville, Greenville, South Carolina um, at Arden's Burger and Grill. And we're going to be doing some live giveaways. I probably will have a uh, giveaway or two as well to end College Sportscast is going to anchor the show and be the last show. It's going to begin at 11 a.m. Eastern Time. It's a Sunday, August 27th, and we're going to run till 7 or 8 o'clock. Um, I know we'll run to at least 7, and College Sportscast will be the last hour of the marathon. And in between, we'll have um, – preseason show on Notre Dame and Clemson and Texas and Georgia, North Carolina State and Tennessee. And so it's going to be a fun, fun show. You can catch it on the Fanboys YouTube um, for the beginning of the show. Everything will be on the first two, two and a half hours. Everything will be on the Fanboys YouTube. And then each show will click in and we will show you exactly how to continue with the marathon. But we're excited about it. We have Amazon as a associate, Amazon associate sponsorship now, and we have Pepsi for that marathon. They are on board for our marathon, our kickoff marathon. We will have Pepsi as a sponsor. We will be a sponsor for us as well for our the fanboys season two kickoff show so we're excited to be able to bring that to you and like i said august 27th 11 to at least 7 p.m 11 a.m to 7 p.m um and we will have at least 15 16 different podcasts for you throughout the day and different teams different coverages like i said one of Bell. There'll be a couple of wrestling shows. We're going to have a betting show on for you. Um, UB Smart Betting is going to be here and be a part of this. So join us. Join us with the fanboys, and we are going to have a grand time and giveaways for our season two kickoff for football. I mean, come on, guys and and gals, it's football. So let's uh, let's come on board and join us for our season two kickoff, and and we'll have a blast. And with that, I'm gonna bode you farewell. I will see you August the for our Pac-12. Pre, uh, preview and prediction show. We will break down team by team analysis, schedule, and records for all 12 Pac 12 teams and break them down for you and give you a record prediction for the regular season. We will see you August the 1st. Y'all have a good vacation.